Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the show. My name's Tim Doyle, and this is Project Sports. Enjoy the show. What's going on, projectors? Welcome back to the show. Today we have a Project Life episode. Um, yeah, so I was at dinner tonight, and I had someone across the table just look up at me and said, you know what, I'm ready to come on the pod. I'm ready. I'm here, and I'm ready to come on the pod. Yeah, who else would be across the dinner table for me than my wife? So yeah, she's here on the show. What's going on, Kim? How are you? I'm good. I'm happy to finally be doing this with you. Yeah, you're super nervous, and I have never been nervous for a podcast episode, but I think I'm nervous for the first time. <laughs> Only because you're making me nervous about it. I'm not trying to. You're not trying to. So what I did, everyone, is I shoved her into a bathroom and said, you're recording here. I'm in the (laughs) living room. (laughs) What a great husband I am. (laughs) Perfect. Yeah, it's perfect. That's just how things are in this household. Women stay in the bathroom. That's just how it goes. Yeah. (laughs) All right. So we wanted to have you on the show because we have... I guess a lot of personal things for Project Life or, you know, our life and, um, you know, what we've experienced, what we've gone through. So it'd be kind of cool for the listeners to get to maybe know me more, but then obviously you coming on the show. Um, we want to get Jen on here. So we got to call her out, right? Right, Kim? We yeah. Gotta, we want to get Jen on here and, and do a little podcast with her. That would be Doug, which was one of my be fun. top Project Life episodes. And he came on the show and people loved it. So if we get his wife on the show, which would be my sister, and... Yeah, that would be super dope. Maybe this will motivate her after she listens to this and says, if Kim can do it, I can do it. It's just a podcast. We're just talking. We Ideally, we wanted to sit across from each other tonight, but unfortunately, we had some audio issues and we had to move into other rooms. I'm sorry. Would have been, would have been, would have been fun. <laughs> You're stuck in a bathroom. <laughs> I told her. I told Kim before we started the podcast, I don't want to hear any trickling in the background. <laughs> uh, but anyway, um, we were just around the dinner table tonight. We heard of a, uh, a death that happened. Bob Saget died 65 years old. Uh, pretty crazy. Any thoughts on that, Kim? It's so sad. Yeah. I remember I was young. I was probably eight years old. And, uh, Full House was my favorite show around that age. I used to call it the Michelle Show. <laughs> and now that I have an eight-year-old daughter, it's been great being able to rewatch those episodes with her and kind of relive how I was when I was eight years old and watching Sam being on that show. Yeah, it's definitely a show that spans across different generations and can still really affect and how amazingly corny that show is. It's awesome at the same time. It is. And they just wrapped up the Fuller House as well. I didn't watch the whole thing, but I know that you did. Um, I did. But he was quite frequently on that show. And I guess I was uh, talking with my mom and she was saying that he just got done with a show in Florida. And he, was, he died in his hotel room, so maybe a heart attack. There was no foul play. You know, there was no drugs involved and stuff like that. Maybe it was just a heart attack. I mean, you know, he's a tall man. <laughs> you know how that is, all these tallies. They just, they just go out with a heart attack at 65. But anyway, <laughs> but that completes the trifecta of Betty White and John Madden and now Bob Saget. That's, it always comes in threes, they say, the deaths. Not that it's good, but rest in peace, Bob Saget. That's pretty cool. So, Kim... I guess we can mm-hmm. get into our first topic tonight that we've been wanting to talk about for a long time, but we've finally been able to get this uh, podcast out of the way. But, you know, 
our life has been crazy the last five years. We joined the military. We as in, we always say we in our family because it's important that yes, I signed on the dotted line, but I dragged my entire family into this. And well, not dragged. You kindly accepted. You were like, yeah, let's do this. So here we are. But what were the odds that our first base would be in the United Kingdom and England? Crazy, absolutely crazy. I know. And I guess we'll just talk about a little bit of transitioning from America to England because I feel like that transition was, although very exciting, maybe we can talk about your raw reaction when I was in tech school about finding out we were going to England, moving our family to another country. <laughs> Tell everyone, what was your raw right. reaction to that? Yeah, I uh, just remember crying on the phone with you sitting in, I was living at my parents' house at the time, sitting in my bedroom and sitting there crying, thinking, how am I going to bring up two kids? country that I've never been to before. Yeah. And me on the other hand, I'm <laughs> I remember hanging up the phone and being super pumped about going to Europe. Yeah. We had two different reactions. I didn't tell you that till later. Cause I, I, I think I was like pretending to be somber with you only because I knew it was it's a lot. It's a lot trying to, you know, being told that hey, this is where you're gonna go. You're gonna be far away from family. It might be hard for them to get to us and it kind of was. Uh, we didn't see family for a long time. Very different for both of us. We grew up really mm -hmm. close close to our families. So, I mean, that's that's that. But, you know, day one, we, we get there. And I, what was it? about? Probably about six. The first six months or so was really eerie for us. There was a lot that happened um, in that first six months. Felt really detached from family. And that transition was really tough, don't you think? Yeah, I definitely do. It was, I remember having, like, physical heartache. Mm -hmm. Being so homesick for Massachusetts, being so homesick for family and friends. And we quickly got pregnant right as we got there with our third child. And yeah. not really being able to experience a third pregnancy with family around was really difficult in the beginning. Yeah, I think so too. And, and you know, finding that out, <laughs> having that celebration of joy, but then obviously at the same time, trying to figure out what you're doing. I've got a new job, so I'm going to and from work every single day. You live in a new country. I remember yep. the first time we, we, we got there. Was it that night or the next night when we got there? I had to drive on the left side of the road, and we were both freaking out. We are both, like, you know, clinching onto the side <laughs> of the car doors going into Huntington, and it was really oddly shaped, designed town where you, it was like a, a wrap around the town. And if you missed your turn, you had to go all the way around the town again. It was really weird because it was, it was almost simulated like a larger city, but it, but it wasn't. It was a small little village. But if you missed your turn, you had to go all the way around. I think we ran around like a time and a half before we actually got to our location. We were trying to find a restaurant because we were meeting Mike there, um, Mike Lorando, which was pretty cool. We had dinner the first, uh, first night or so there. I can't remember exactly which day it was, but it was pretty quick. I drove the... I think it was the first day we got it there. It was the first night we were there. The first night we were there, yes. Because I remember going to the... And not... M mind you, I was driving on, like, a left-sided vehicle, too. Like, sorry, a right-sided vehicle, um, which would be the passenger side in America. And then mm -hmm. on the left side of the road, which was weird. But, yeah. yeah. Interesting. And so, yeah. I guess from there, is there anything that, like, your first raw reaction into coming into England, like how you either not, maybe not just felt cause you kind of already got into that, but like maybe some like simple things that really like took you by surprise. The culture. Like I didn't expect it to be such a culture shock. 
imagine they speak English. Because they speak it English, you know? Yes. I didn't think it was going to be so, um, yeah, so shocking. Mm. And just the different um, names for things like car park, the garden. Yeah. Trying to get used to their way of speaking really was different. Kim tried to understand anything British people say. <laughs> She's like, what, babe? What did they say? It was kind of easier. It. it was kind of easier for me because like I went to work and I was working with British firefighters and like a slew of other British people. So I kind of had to like learn it quickly. Where you on the other hand, you're home, you're, you're doing things at the house, you're, you're traveling, you're going out. Um, but at the same time, it's still like not as like many casual conversations I think were with British people at first. So, so, and then if you came across a Scottish person, which was even worse because you couldn't understand anything they were saying, is it, is definitely very different. Um, let's let's get into maybe like Tesco, like that experience of like going into a grocery yeah. store for the first time in England and Tesco in general. And at first, it's kind of overwhelming. But maybe you know, how did you feel like during, before, during, and after with with shopping and getting stuff like household goods? So when we first got there. It was definitely overwhelming, but it was very exciting because it reminded me of Target. Mm. So I loved being able to go there in the beginning. Um, when it came to shopping, it was definitely difficult to find the different names for certain vegetables and fruits. Yeah. I didn't understand that why an eggplant was called an aubergine. <laughs> an eggplant. <laughs> Just uh, I still don't know why. I don't know anything about food. I just consume it mostly. But because <laughs> you're such a great cook. But an aubergine. Oh, is there a reason why? Is that like a or another just another name for it? Is it all of Europe call it that, or is it just England? Is it just? I have no idea. You have no idea. Yeah. So you couldn't find eggplants. So you were just like. No, there were so many different names for things. So it was definitely um, different trying to shop in the beginning, and then once. I got the hang of it. It was so much better than shopping here. Yeah. In America, that is. That's yes. definitely, yeah. <laughs> I think by the end of it, we loved shopping in the UK. And then maybe realizing some different ingredients and nutrients that you could probably, you you know more about that than I do. But mm -hmm. um, we talked all the time about the, the ingredients in the French fries at McDonald's. Cal, I, don't, I can't remember exactly the numbers on yeah. that. But uh, um, yeah, stuff like that. Is it like 27 ingredients or something in America? And um, from what I remember, I think it's 23 ingredients in America and only three ingredients in England. Wow. That's crazy. Yeah. And so like you're just the health, health differences and concerns were huge to us because mm -hmm. we tried to eat healthy while we were over there, especially after our third child was born and making sure, obviously for me, being fit for the military and then... Um, you supporting me, we both have to be fit and ready to go at all times because there's so much going on in our lives, especially being in the military. And it's, you want to give yourself the best advantage with being successful. So that's, you know, health is huge um, and very, very important. So we found ourselves going to places like farms and everything. What was the name of that farm we used to go to? Um, ones with the animals we can go see, but we used to get meat there and other things, jams, and they had gin. You you like to used to get oh, gin there. so good. Yeah. Johnson's. Johnson's Farm. That's right. That's right. They had alligators. They did. They had alligators. They had donkeys. They had 
so many different animals. It was a really cool experience. And when we're saying they had these animals, you could also eat any of them too. I was going <laughs> to. Yeah, that was. There was a butcher shop that was inside, and they just like go take a pig from the back. Yeah. But it was fresh. Bison, bison burgers, or was it, yeah, bison or buffalo? Bison burgers. Bison burgers, so good, so good. Johnson's was great, but we could go to down, just down a random road or a village, and they, you know, they'd always have a farm with like fresh eggs and and fresh veg and we'd go in there and just like that's where you get it but it's like weird like we don't have any of that where we currently live in, in colorado springs or where we lived in the past in massachusetts mm-hmm. so it was so that part after we got used to like how england operated and you can do that if it felt really good to be able to go to places like that and eat food that you knew was grown on a farm and you could directly get it from the farm too yeah it was nice being able to support like a local family too knowing that like when you're buying their product, it goes straight to their, straight to their. Yeah, family. that's a good point. That's a good point. And so your money is going to a good place. The food is, is much better grown, and you, you know where it's coming from. I don't say it's better grown because I don't really know, but it's, you know where it's coming from. You know the farm. You know it's fresh. It's it's all that good stuff. So mm-hmm. I think that's great. I think it's I think it's amazing. I like food. What can I yeah, say? Yeah, Yeah, food's great. Um. Yeah, lifestyle in England compared to America is probably, it's like you said, you know, they speak the same language as us, but it's completely different. It's not even close. Yeah, so different. Yeah. So we, we, uh, we took a, we took a trip. I, I visited a lot of European countries while I was in Europe and we took a vacation to found two different, a few different locations. We went to like five or six different countries while we were there over the course of three and a half years. Um, do you have a favorite country in Europe and maybe a couple of reasons why? Or is there one or two? Was it just one, three? I don't know. You tell me. What's going on? Yes. So I have two favorite ones. The first one was the Netherlands. We were only there for half of a day. But the people there were so incredibly nice. And it was just so breathtakingly beautiful. Uh, it is definitely my top favorite place that we went to. Yeah, that was the Netherlands was pretty cool. And we we stayed in Belgium and we we went and visited for the day. That's right. And the Schlaus was the small village that we went to. Only cuz I asked the waitress, "Well, how do you how do I say your town?" It was like S L U I S and I was like, "Eh, I don't know how to say it in there." And he goes, "Schlaus." And I was like, "Wow, I wasn't expecting that." But they were incredibly nice. I remember the restaurant we went to and they came out with uh toys and we were at it was like a pretty decent curbside like you could you you ate out outside, but it was beautiful very european and they brought out toys for the kids to play with it made you feel really relaxed and it didn't feel like let's just say it just didn't feel like an american restaurant that's for no. sure no definitely not but there most was most european i'm oh, sorry no no go ahead most european restaurants were like that though they were very family oriented they never rushed you they when you had kids they would always try to bring attention to your children giving them toys stuff yeah. to entertain them so they weren't sitting there bored out of their mind yes true and i think like that like connection that comfort level is just different america is very fast paced whereas europe when you go out to eat there's no rush like at all like you can you can just sit there england might be a little bit faster paced but still not really comparative to the u.s but even once we went into paris we went into the Netherlands, the uh, um, Belgium. I mean, it was definitely very slow paced. Like you, mm-hmm. they, they did not care about turning tables over or anything. They just wanted you to enjoy your time. And it also wasn't as busy. But I, do you remember the clear difference? We were in in France, 
and we drove over the border to Belgium, and it was like night and day. Not that not that France like was bad, but their highway system there was graffiti on both sides of the road. It looked a little rough. And the second we went we went into Belgium, it was like pristine. Like they mm-hmm. had all of this like perfectly cut grass. They had trees lined on their highways that were so gorgeous and beautiful. And pretty much everywhere we went all the way to Bruges and then other parts of the country while well, we went over to the Netherlands, it was all the same. Like everything was just really nice and cut out. So it was, it was pretty cool. It was. It was like driving through a movie scene the entire time. Yeah, pretty much. I mean, France was cool too. Then Paris, Paris, a lot of people gave bad rap for where we were, but I loved Paris. Paris was really cool, but definitely different feel. Paris and Paris is more like a their version of New York, and then and then going into those countries is more like their countryside, but they're completely different co- like cultures for sure. Like those people are completely different from each other. The Parisians are very like they'll talk to you and have a good time. Like that woman at the restaurant when we were in Paris, she was very good with the kids and same sort mm-hmm. of feel, but they're much more brash. They're found more fast paced and more like American city. Like, but if you went out to the countryside or Belgium and the Netherlands, very more slow and. And a lot, a lot different. But it did feel like you went into another country. It didn't feel like you went into another state. You know what I mean? Like in the United yeah. States, like you, you know, you're still in America. Like you can kind of, but definitely felt like every time you went into a different country, it felt like you definitely went into another country, which was kind of cool. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, so we got to England, and then I think Ella had to go to Daisy's, our oldest, which is mm-hmm. a, a school, Montessori school, off base. So we're gonna talk a little bit about that. How did you feel, maybe at first? sending your children to a school that is in a foreign country? So at first, I wasn't entirely sure what Montessori was. So I was given this school and was told that this school is amazing. So many kids go there. It's such a great experience. And then in my head, I was like, what is Montessori? I have no idea what that means. So I didn't realize that Montessori school is a different kind of education. And it more caters to the child's ability and like teaching them how to use stuff for themselves instead of like a teacher being like all right sit here and you do it this way this way and this way it's pretty kind of teaching them to do it themselves mm. so once i learned that i really liked that yeah uh, it, it was definitely yeah definitely a different like way different vibe than an american school for sure and i think we were both nervous just because it's, our kids were young and obviously, you want your kid's education to be good. And it's like you're just going out on a limb. You're listening to other people when you get to the base. You know, like, hey, what do we do? And, no, oh, you can use this here. Use this school. So we just, you know, did it. And then I think it actually ended up working out well. I think the feedback we got from it from the kids and then some of the interactions with the school after were just unbelievable, uh, especially with the teachers and stuff like that. I mean, I know you could probably speak more to it. You were more involved with it. But, uh, yeah, you can go ahead on that. I agree. The teachers are incredible. Um, I loved how they catered to the needs of our children and like mm. their specific upbringing and what they needed to focus on without being overbearing to them. Yeah, important for sure. Um, and then without being overpressured. Like, it was very nice that Ella and Nora didn't constantly have pressure on them to meet certain goals and certain requirements it was very very more go at your own pace and have them figure it out on their own yeah that's true good their teachers were incredible yeah 
I think that that's uh, was it was it was good the first couple of interactions and like that little um, even the way they had the whole school set up it made you feel comfortable. Mm-hmm. It was so different because we were in the countryside in England all of a sudden and things were much different than America. Well, as I can say, but hey, I got we got to backtrack a little bit here. You said you had two different. Um, two different countries that you, you enjoyed. I cut you off and I switched topics, but we got to go back to your other country that you're talking about besides the Netherlands. I got wrapped up and tied just blah, 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 blah. But what was the other country you wanted to bring up? Wales. Ah, okay. So in the UK, but Wales is a beautiful country. So tell me a little bit about Wales. Why, why was it your favorite? Um, I think the experience overall was one of my favorites. It was COVID was just starting to ease up. We were able to go out for the first time as a family in a really long time. Yeah. And just having the experience, we got to see waterfalls and sheep and these beautiful green rolling hills. And we knew that our England journey was coming to an end, so it was just such a special trip for us to take right before we had to say goodbye to Europe. Yeah, that's true. I didn't I didn't really think of it in that regard, but that's that's true. And I think it's really cool that the, the little village we stayed in called Crickhall, um, if the listeners, you want to look it up, it's, a, it's a, <laughs> like to get into the town, there was a river that ran across the front of it. And then the backside of it was this really cool, I don't want to call it a mountain, but these really large hills that were behind it. So the only way to get into the village was to go over this small, um, huge stone bridge. And it was only room enough for one car to go through at a time. And you had to go across it, and it was so cool. So you just kind of just sat there and waited. And there was no, like, oh, hey, I can see the other person, or there was no light. Like, you just had to know. And if you kind of went and someone else went, you had to back up and move <laughs> and just move. But it was so quaint and beautiful. And, yeah, you could see amazing view of the stars. The little hotel we stayed in was just absolutely stunning. Yeah, it was cool. The sheep up in the hills when we went, to, we went to some underground caves inside one of the, the hillsides and that, that drive all the way across on top of the hills was really, really beautiful and unbelievable. The people there were extremely nice to us as well. I, they don't, the Welsh people don't like British people, supposedly. That's just, and we actually saw that firsthand. I was told by Nick who is a British firefighter. He said they don't like the Brits. But and then we kind of saw it firsthand. But it's cool because it's connected to England. But when you drive in, all the signs are in their native language in Welsh. And it's it's actually really, really, really cool. Um, not what I was expecting. I just thought another American-speaking country, they have a little bit of an accent, you know, you know, that's it. But no, it was actually a whole different experience than what Britain was for sure. And even, you know... Um, looking at the signs, I was like, what does that even say? Like, you, it's not even uh, close to English. And then, yeah, it was whatever their Welsh language was, and it was super cool, and they actually spoke it. I think, didn't we hear the bartender and his wife, like, they were speaking it at the front the front desk? I'm, I'm, I'm almost positive that's what they were speaking. Yes. And yeah, that was that was super cool. I had never heard that tongue before, that language, ever. So that was pretty, that was pretty sweet. Um, okay, so I guess we can we can move on to... I mean, we're back in America now, so we got to talk about what you miss the most. <laughs> you know, what do you miss the most about England? Because you and I talk about this constantly, but I feel like maybe there could be a few. Um, yeah, what do you miss most about the local area, the food, London? Everything. You know, everything. 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 Yeah. Um, I, I just think back to like when we first got there and how hard broken I was 
to be there being away from family. And now that I am removed from England, how there is times where I like have physical heartache to try to go back to England. Mm-hmm. It was just, I miss the people, the environment, the slow pace, how everything is spread out, their food, how buying groceries to be so healthy and clean eating is so much cheaper compared to here. And you don't have to think about it as much, too. <laughs> yeah, no, you don't. Yeah. You don't have to read the back of labels when you're trying to get healthy food. Yeah, that's so true. And um, what was what was I going to say about that? Yeah, we we you and I were talking about this the other day. How I feel like, well, at least I said that I feel like I have two places that I call home now: is New England and England, mm-hmm. um, as far as Massachusetts and our area we grew up in, both of us. But then also England now. Like I feel like I was saying, if I got on a plane right now and I went to London, I wouldn't feel like I was going to London on vacation. I'm going to be honest. Like I'd be like, oh, I'm in London. Like I love this place, and it's really close to my heart and probably always will be. Um, and I, I think we feel mutually on that. Like we just, and not only that, like Huntington and Alcumberry, the places we lived close to, um, going down to that little village. What was the name of your, your um, thrift store or whatever you used to like to go to? Cam's Lock. Cam's Lock. We used to, have, you and your friends would go down there and purchase, I don't know. You came back with everything, record players, <laughs> everything, random stuff. Plant potter stuff. I don't know. I don't know what you got from there. But baskets and baskets. It was a wonderful place. Yeah, it's it's very 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 cool there, especially when you're there as like you're in the military and you're in like a close knit like little family with people there. Mm -hmm. You really rely on each other. We've kind of noticed since we've been here in Colorado. Not that it's not family oriented with the with the military still, but you kind of rely on other people to, when you're overseas on a on a um, on an assignment to really connect with them and be like, hey, how did how do you do this? How do you do that? You branch out much quicker and faster because you really do have to rely on other people, or you're not going to figure stuff out, and you would potentially be miserable if you didn't do that. So, I mean, right. yeah, you always got to lean lean on other people, which is kind of cool. Uh, man. I'm trying to think. London, we we went to London a handful of times. Mm-hmm. Really cool experience. Some parts I expected, some parts I didn't expect, but I, I definitely will miss it. It's it's a cool city, and yeah, I don't know. What were your thoughts on London? Did you enjoy it as much as you think you would have, or it kind of lived up to your expectation? Maybe not. I definitely think I would have enjoyed it more if we didn't have the kids with us. <laughs> yeah, yeah, for sure. <laughs> It was nerve-wracking trying to make sure that two, the girls were safe. We went the first time was on Christmas Eve. It was a really cool experience to be there for the first time on Christmas Eve, seeing all the lights and Buckingham Palace. Buckingham Palace for yeah. the first time. And then the second time we went in was to get our son's citizenship. We had to go to the embassy and my parents were able to come with us and we got to show them around a little bit and it was a really great experience i definitely think i like the countryside more yeah but there, yeah i i agree with that for sure their train system was really good though like they had congestion fees they like forced you to take the train so yes the way we lived was like you can't like if you drove your car into london which a was very difficult and B, they would charge you fees for driving around the city. 
like more than one. Like if you went on certain streets, like they would just, and they have a whole camera system throughout the entire city, much like New York City, but they just charge you and they just send you a bill in the mail. Same thing with uh, speeding tickets. When you're on the highway, they've got speed traps all along mm-hmm. the highway and they just send you a bill if you're over speed. They don't, they don't have a lot of highway patrols there. That's very different. You, you rarely see cops on the road, which is quite strange, but yeah, you, you, you rarely see cops there. And then, but the, the trains are much nicer, as they call it, the tube, once you're in London, but much, much nicer um, than America, or at least where we kind of grew up. Like going in from yeah. Boston from Braintree was, that train's always a little rough, but going in from wherever you were, it was actually pretty nice. It was nice. It was comfortable. They had nice seats, little tables you can sit at. Yeah. It felt more like a, probably just as nice as a plane, if not nicer than a plane, because you had more room, to be honest. But it wasn't oh, like, yeah. A side seat and a railing where, you know, nope. some, some people are like holding on or whatever, but it was in like you, yeah. Um, for, yeah. But then like when you got to London, it was definitely a city. So like you said, nerve wracking with the children, you're in a foreign area. There's lots of culture in London. Like there's not mm-hmm. just British people. There's all of Europe is like in London. So I think that was one of the coolest things you and I just looked at each other. We were like, wow, there's like tons of languages passing us as on the street as we walk down the street which is really cool like you're you're talking every language in the book was just speak being spoken around us which i miss that so much it's like one of the things i miss where it's like there's so many different cultures and experiences i think boston to a point has that um unlike other parts of america where i don't think they do but at boston they do have some of that but it was nothing like europe like you're here in you know bulgarian and, and german and british and then you're hearing I don't know, Italian and Spanish and it's, it's French, really po- French, Portuguese, Chinese. Yeah. It was just like everything as you're walking down, like everyone was different. It was so cool. Really, really cool experience. It was. Yeah. Okay. So, um, my deployment. So I got deployed in October of 2019 and then the beginning of the pandemic started on mm-hmm. around January, February timeframe into March. I was deployed and not really, I'm not really going to talk about my deployment, but the the other side of the coin, the perspective of you. I mean, that time. I mean, for both of us, it was pretty wild because I'm in a, I'm in Africa, you know, and you are mm-hmm. at home in England. My wife's in a foreign country with my family, protecting them, and a lot was going on. You know, what was that like for you, just being there with just the kids, not even having me around to rely on or to like for us to work together on tackling certain goals like how did you feel in that Mm -hmm. moment and I mean obviously for everyone that knows that everyone went through certain things during COVID and it was crazy but you know how did you feel during that time so in the beginning when you first when you first got deployed I was obviously it was so scary I was by myself I didn't have family around we had three kids I didn't really have many friends at that moment Mm -hmm. until you got deployed and I made some of the most amazing friends that I'll that I call family yeah and I look at your deployment I know this sounds weird but I'm so happy that deployment happened on my end Mm -hmm. because there was so much growth as an individual as you were deployed I I'm normally a very introverted person and it forced me to step out of my comfort zone and make friends and bring my kids to the farms and stuff by myself without having somebody have to be with me. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, and I'm very thankful. Yeah. For, for that. Yeah, we we've talked about this often, and it does have that like that that growth thing for both of us on both sides of the coin. But for you in particular, you talk about it constantly all the time, like mm-hmm. how that was a moment in your life where you really had to branch out because it's either you're choosing to shut down and do nothing and stay in your home most of the time and figure it out until I get back or you really can branch out and have a good time. And and maybe a lot of people weren't expecting that answer from you, but I mean, it's the truth. It's you grew and like, it's like, here's the thing, like what else do you do? Like you already have that pain where you're away from your spouse. It's like, Mm -hmm. okay, how do I make this a positive, you know, experience for you know, my husband and I, as we're, we're apart, there's nothing we can do to change that. Like he's going to be gone. I ended up being gone for almost, almost eight months. And mm-hmm. it's like, you, you know, we got to deal with it. And how do you deal with it? You can either, you can either, you know, just not fail. I don't want to say fail, but you can either just, you know, be yourself and kind of continue on, or you can really see some growth. And for you, that's first of all, amazing and honesty to share on the, on a podcast too, where it's like, Hey, like I had a tough time moment of realization. And then boom, I exploded into things that I didn't think I was, I could do. And it was Mm -hmm. up against the wall and there I was, and I expanded. And I think I did as well. Like, you know, both of us being away from each other really showed us how much we missed each other too. And that's extremely cliche to say, but for that long Mm -hmm. of a period of time, it really does. Not that I would ever want that to happen again, because I I don't, like I'd rather not. (laughs) I'd rather never be deployed again, but that's that's how it kind of went and how the experience was for both of us, which is really cool. So, yeah. I feel like it made us yeah, for sure. Because, you know, you, you never know what you have until it's gone. Another cliche, but it's mm-hmm. it's it's true when you're not like right there with them. So it's like you really appreciate all the little things that your spouse does for you mm-hmm. on, a, on a day-to-day basis. Um, and then obviously, you know, things with children and in and, and, and that regard too. It's like, you know, you never realize how much y- you both need each other for those things emotionally getting through, whether I'm away missing them or you're there overwhelmed with how much they need me and I'm not there. So it's like right. all that dynamic gets really complicated. But at the, in the end, like it was really tough, but like you said, there was a huge positive that came out of it. We, we you know, it was actually made huge growth for both of us. You either mm-hmm. sit, you either sit there and just be the same or you can grow. And we decided to both grow, even though it was extremely tough. Yeah, it was definitely extremely tough, especially come January when, the spread of COVID started beginning. We weren't really sure what was happening. Mm-hmm. The kids were in school. We didn't know if we were going to pull the kids from school. And then come March, where everything shut down, that was a big adjustment when I was by myself with three kids. Now having to get up in the morning, making sure our oldest was ready for online class and Making sure the other two were entertained when she's trying to do that, just trying to manage everything. Yeah, and it, it's and it really difficult. No one's fault, but I mean that's like the initial schooling that came out over the over the internet was just terrible, like for families because that way, not only that, I was deployed. Like there wasn't a second parent to entertain. You were doing that mm-hmm. by yourself. So you and I came up with the idea: let's just pull them from school. Let's start doing homeschooling. Yep. Um. After after the um. After that first initial part of the pandemic, but during that time it was very tough and like even like me being worried about you like grocery stores were even crazier and like people Mm -hmm. were more hectic and it's like you know my wife is going there with children and only time you know 
It's not like you could not take them. Like you had to take them to go get food. You were doing a lot of pickups and drop off, like the pickup stuff and um, in that regard. But that was crazy. Mm-hmm. I mean, that, that stuff as a, as a father and a, and a dad and a spouse is just from a distance was so hard to take in. Meanwhile, doing with the stuff I was doing with on deployment. So it's like mm-hmm. a lot of, lot of moving parts, which was, which was really in, intense. But we got through it, which was really cool. And we did. It was definitely probably a wild deployment that I never thought would have been the story that we would have been told that, you know, I was gone during the beginning part of of the pandemic when things first started happening. And we think then in December that you may have gotten COVID before most people have gotten it because you got Uh, seriously sick right at Christmas time. And your parents, your parents visited and you were very, very sick that we can thank goodness they were there because I couldn't imagine imagine if you got that sick while you had the kids at home, it would have been extremely chaos no i wouldn't have been able to do it like there's no doubt about it yeah all three of them were so violently ill and then the next day i was so violently ill that i couldn't even get up off my floor yeah wow yeah you remember saying you were in the bathroom and you couldn't even get up off the floor that's why i mm-hmm. think it must have been because we were in europe at that time and it was already in in china and i'm mm-hmm. sure it was already spreading around europe without people even knowing what it was weeks before it was being in Italy, which was like in January time frame, where it's really started to ramp up there. So it's a possibility for sure. Yeah, we were on Christmas Eve. We, my Nora and myself were in the hospital. Yeah, yeah. Oh, uh, yeah. I remember that. Yeah, little Nora in the, that suit. That, yeah, oh my gosh, that's crazy. Mm-hmm. All right. So just to wrap up kind of this, this episode, we're just one more topic we're going to get to transitioning back to America. With, and I think we can both talk about this for sure in detail. <laughs> Um, you know, how, how strange was it coming back to America after being in Europe for so long? Um, I guess kind of the same initial feeling of that, like, where are we? Which is kind of weird because you grew up in this country, but it's like very, I had like really, I had massive fears coming back to America in general because I didn't, every, everything's very different here and mm-hmm. much more fast paced or just like, just etiquette, people, how they interact with each other, things like that. But then, you know, daily life, we're really nervous about the food and health and stuff. Because you and I, that's a lot of our conversations are around food and and health and um, routine of how we're going to live our lives and how we want to live our lives. And I think, so what was your biggest thing? I think my biggest thing was the culture shock being back in America. Yeah. I didn't expect I didn't. had the same reaction as I did when I got to England as I did coming back to where I grew up. I didn't expect it to be worse, <laughs> to be honest. And, and I'm going to be completely honest with you. It was worse coming back to America than leaving America and going into Europe. Yeah, I have to agree. Yeah. yeah. I think it was a lot more difficult. We got so used to that lifestyle where we were. It was definitely a, a culture shock coming back. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, food. We So we... We didn't even really come back home either. We got thrown all the way to the Midwestern Colorado. Like we're mm-hmm. in a com- still in a completely different time zone than even back home. So we were behind them two hours. We were ahead six hours before. So that was kind of cool. We're talking about the East Coast where, where we grew up and the connecting with family and all that. Um, but yeah, transitioning back to America and even having like huge conveniences. So like we're living yes. in the <laughs> middle of nowhere in England and Alcumberry. 
and you know you don't have many conveniences like there's not as much now we're here in colorado springs and you can literally think of a fast food restaurant you can be there in less than five minutes like you can just go wherever you want you have multiple choices at grocery stores mm-hmm. it's chaos but um those are the things that come to mind when i think of like okay what was like the craziest thing of but luckily we live in an area where there's beautiful mountains and it's, it's gorgeous and we can go up to the mountains and there's some really amazing little villages we can go to and explore and have fun um definitely probably not the place for us a little too dry wouldn't you say kim oh definitely <laughs> too dry too congested too yeah. everything springs the springs area is really congested of a city and it's not what i pictured i fi- i you know i just pictured maybe we'd be living up near the mountains or living out in like a small town like mm-hmm. but colorado springs is like a conglomerate of people just all stuck in one area um Every house is on top of each other. Yeah, it is very, very close. Even more so than anything I've seen. It's Colorado Springs is very different than what I what I had thought. There's some really cool stuff here for sure, but not not what I what I expected. And um, yeah, so Kim, we did it. We did it. Yeah. We did. We did the first podcast you and I together. Pretty sweet. Pretty awesome. Thanks for coming on the show. I really appreciate it. I'm happy. I finally. Yeah. Me too, because we've been talking about this for a while and wanted to get you on. And now we got to get Jen on so we can have just a, a good conversation between the three of us. And maybe even Doug. Maybe we should do the four of us together. It would be kind of cool, too. That would be so much fun. <laughs> Although we'd have to, we'd have to uh, make sure that Doug and Jen don't kill each other while they're on the pod. We'd probably have to pause every yeah, because Doug will just keep everyone laughing. Doug's in his element when he's with the with the three of us together. It's so funny. But um, yeah, thanks for coming on the show. Really appreciate it. Thanks for having me. Yeah, no problem. Take care, guys. Bye.